Welcome to Read This, Read That. I'm Jackie Reed. I'm Joanne Reed. How you doing, cousin Sora friend? <laughs> hey, sister cousin Sora friend. I'm good. Look, I'm here in the cut. I'm at my office. You can see I'm here, you know, in the office, uh, which is unusual, but... No, on a Friday, right? On a Friday. And so, yeah, we're doing a little something new. This is the first time some of our team has actually, actually met each other, like... Well, let's do our wind down. You you do your wind down first, and then I'll do mine. You do yours oh, first. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I want to hear about that. I want to know yeah. what's going on in your office. Okay, so back to that. A, you look fetching. I love this top. I love the hair. I love what's going on. Your skin is radiating. <laughs> I love it. You Thank are you. looking very fetch right now. I love it. <laughs> as, as are you, my dear. <laughs> oh, you're so kind. You're so kind. So, yes, my wind down is... Just something exciting that I'm doing. I am doing a series of uh, after the show IG lives uh, with a girlfriend of mine who loves, we both love sex in the city. Uh-oh. Um, and so we're watching, um, you know, we're watching each episode of the reboot and then we're doing an IG live on Fridays. Um, so you guys tune in. You can catch the first episode we did um, on my Instagram. We did two because they aired HBO Max dropped two episodes. And when I tell you, I'm not going to spoil it for people who watch the show. And I know you you have no idea what I'm None. talking about, so I'm not going to get into it because you <laughs> did not watch this show. But they, all I'm going to say is that, and pe- there are headlines everywhere about it. So it's not like I'm spoiling too much, but I won't get into it. But they made, the writers and creators made a decision on this show that has shocked Everybody who has oh. been diehard fans. Oh, and I, when I tell you, my mouth was open. I was in tears. I was like, "What?" But I am happy about the diversity that they added um, to the show. You know, we had Karen Pittman on. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, love her. If if anything, if you, I know you're not going to watch it, but you would love her. No, after we interviewed her, that made me want to watch it because I'll be honest with you, I never got into Sex in the City because I was like, I didn't relate to it. It's weird because I did watch Seinfeld, which had none of us in it either. There was like one black character in it, but yeah. I was like Sex in the City. I couldn't relate to those women. I, they well, didn't. You're really, not I, a. You're not a. You're not a like you to me, you know, you're not like that hardcore fashionista. You hate shopping. You and then yeah. you know, it's like the it's like you're such a tomboy. It's a girly girl show. <laughs> it's a girly girl it's show. It's about yeah. Manolos and stilettos yes. and shit. Yeah, that wasn't me. And, exactly. That, you yeah. know, so you know, girl, that's all me. So <laughs> that's I know it is, sister. That's all me, child. I I mean, so the fashion alone to me was a, a character of the show. Absolutely. I wanted to watch to see, you know, what they were uh, wearing and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, not just Karen Pittman, but Nicole Ari Parker is a big part of it, but there's a lot of diversity this season. So I would encourage um, those who, you know, maybe the diversity, lack of diversity kept you from it. Um, it I'm telling you, it is so good and interesting. And okay. if you, and maybe, you know, I, my, I love it just because it's Sex and the City and I love seeing the girls back together. But on top of that, I love the diversity. But anyway, okay. I'm doing this IG Live girl every uh, Friday at, you know, so people can, you know, come and because we had, we did it today and people are like, this is like therapy because of this big thing that I'm telling you that I'm not going to spoil. Okay. That happened. People were on our thing saying, yes, this is like therapy. Like people were like rooting oh along and with us. It was like I we were all in a room it. together. It was so much fun. But again, you know, it, 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 it's like, especially if you watched it from the beginning, right? you're going to be like, why did they make this choice? Ugh. So Ooh. anyway, but I love that they let the women age that they're all wearing glasses now. They're all in their 50s. You know what I mean? The hemlines are a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's not as much cleavage. Oh, there is some cle- You know, just kind of decisions that they make. One of the characters now has gray hair and there's this whole discussion about that, about whether or not we should be dyeing our hair and doing those things or if we should age naturally. I love that they had that discussion in the very beginning of the show. But girl, I'm just happy. I'm telling you. Okay. Just the theme song just gives me joy. <laughs> so anyway, that's it. my wind down, girl. Check out my IG live. I love <laughs> it. So my wind down is that for the first time in 18 months, I have now met all but one of the people I work with. <laughs> Are you when serious? I tell you, 
When I tell you the COVID thing is so weird in that you can literally work with people, know people, feel like you really know them, but have never physically met them. So, you know, you know, I was in New York. I went to New York for my fabulous birthday and it was fabulous. I checked myself into the Park Hyatt, honey. I was in a expensive hotel room with expensive ticket price and just literally was like, I'm just going to do my birthday because I didn't, I was working on my birthday because um, I have a bunch of travel planned for the month of December. So I was like, I'm not going to take the day off. I really actually am not a birthday person, you know, because, you know, I'm not trying to like promote that I'm getting older, but I'm like, I don't, I'm not a birthday person, but I also do want to celebrate myself. And since 2018, I've been in this mode of, I'm going to celebrate my birthday for real, for real. And I'm going to really do something big. I went to South Africa in 2018, 2019. I can't remember what I I did, but I'm like trying to do more for me on my birthday. So I was like, this time I'm going to check myself in this fabulous hotel, did that. So I was in New York. And so one of the reasons I wanted to be in New York is because I've never met some of the people that are on the readout team because we launched the show during the pandemic. We launched in July of 2020 during the pandemic. I started out doing the show in my basement the whole time. We were all in like 14 different places, different cities all around the country from Vermont to everywhere. You know, some of us are in New York, some are in DC, some were in Delaware. We were all over the country. Yeah. And we managed to launch this show that's done really, really well. That's been a huge hit. And we're so excited about it, but we've never met. So I knew some of the people because this is the core team that used to be the hardball team. So Tina Urbanski, who's my EP, who I love her. She's one of my first friends I made at MSNBC because I was the sidekick to Chris Matthews. Everywhere he went, I went. If he traveled around the country, I traveled around. Wherever he went, I went. And I was like on his show for Midnight Hardball. That's kind of how I kind of got in the team. So I know Robert, Tina, the people who come from Harbaugh, the core people will. And then there were some people who I brought over or who came from AM Joy. So there are about half a dozen people who I've known a long time, but the rest girl of this team, I never met some of these folks. That's crazy. And we knew them as these tiny little people on Zoom who are little and little and small. <laughs> and so I and so I was like, I'm gonna and so I text, I emailed the team and of course. Of course, Lorena Ruiz, who's my good friend, who's um, been with me really since AM Joy, she's the implementer. I'll say I want to do something and then I'll forget the, to actually do the steps that I need to do. So she made, she she and Hank, our wonderful Hank, who's my fabulous sidekick, they kind of made it happen. So we had two lunches, one in New York for the New York part of the team and one in D.C. for the D.C. part of the team. So the New York one was fabulous. It was on my birthday. It was just fun to meet them. I met one of the babies from the team because one of our members had a baby during this whole thing. I've never seen this baby in person. I got to see the baby in person. And Kai, who's amazing, who's been on my AM Joy team forever, never met the baby, finally met the baby. And then there's we did the D.C. um, team today. So it was just, I'm so happy today because it's like I finally actually know the people who've been making this show and who've been putting in so much effort and work and love and sweat and tears into this show, I actually now know them per- in person. And I knew I them. That. You know what I mean? mean? It's a lot because like, you work together and you all work hard for that show. And that's why mm-hmm. it, is work. it is. You put yes. in, in serious work. And we never met. <laughs> so, so it was weird. So, so like we did a great, de- we did a great lunch today. So that's my wind down. It's like the, the COVID weird world is that you really can and it's the same thing that social media has done. There are people that I know that I really have only met through social media, but then we sort of became friends. But yeah. there's some of my social media friends. I've never met them either. Yeah. And I, I've never physically met. If they walked up to me in the street, I wouldn't know who they were. But it's the modern era is this thing where you can know people, talk to people, get support from people, get love and everything you get from a friendship, but you never meet. It's Girl. just a weird thing of modern life. It's like it's like jumping Jack Flash. Remember the yeah. movie that uh, Whoopi Goldberg was I in? Do. Yeah, she fell in love with that guy, and it was all virtual. It's all virtual, <laughs> it and that's the weird. Part. And the thing is that the, the people that you meet virtually, you do have a genuine relationship with. Like you do, and it's, sometimes it's more intimate. You know yeah. what I mean? Depending yes. on what it is, yeah, on what it is, it can be much more intimate. Um, yeah. Because you, you know, can I, be yourself because you're not worried about like, am I looking awkward? Am I am I made up properly? Like if you're just knowing someone in a virtual space, you can literally just be yourself and be as weird or as goofy or as unmade up or whatever. And so you really, it's like you actually kind of almost get to know people better. You do. Because you're not putting on any airs for them because you're yeah. not physically with them. So it, but but it is, I'm very happy that we finally, so I, I had a meeting with our my boss's boss, Caesar 
Condi, who is running um, NBC Universal, who's awesome, by the way. This is this Latino guy who's running this whole company. I'm so proud of him. But he even said he's like, it is a thing when you, it, there's a different dynamic when you have a team and you actually physically know each other in person. You've met. And so he's a big, a big proponent of trying to bring the physical workspace back. And it's going to be hard because a lot of people got kids. They've made a schedule from themselves. They like working in their pajamas. I don't know how we ever get back to a normal workplace because a lot of people are comfortable. I'm comfortable with working from home. You know what I mean? We don't have clothes anymore. We don't fit none of our clothes. We all wear night clothes. (laughs) And if you do have clothes on, you got slippers on your feet or you got a top on and and some pajama pants or what I was doing on the bottom. But I feel like employers have to recognize, like there's some companies, I don't know if it's Yahoo or Google, but one of those companies that I love the way that they work anyway, the way that they treat their employees, where they're like, you know what? After the pandemic or during, you know, once the pandemic started, they realized that they, that people could work from home and be productive. And it it is still possible uh, to do that, especially for, for managers that don't want to micromanage your time. You know what I mean? To me, if you're meeting deadlines, if you're showing up, if you're getting the job done, working virtually will save a lot of companies, a lot of overhead, a lot of office space and save employers employees money to to commute you know even if child care child care all those things you know it could save so many people so I think we need to I think you know there's so much bad about you know this pandemic but I think we need to lean into what was good about it and reimagine what it means to go to work that's why so many people left their jobs because they were like you know what this works better for me yeah work from home and manage things this way i mean nothing makes me happier than to be able to walk into my kitchen something for lunch yeah care that i'm not spending money yeah and in new york for god's sake 30 rock you could grab lunch you could feed a family you could feed a family feed a family for for a week for what i spend on lunch I mean, it's, exactly. It's a, it's changed the world, and so I think one of the things that people are going to have to realize, especially people who are bosses and stuff, it isn't going to go back to the way it was because now we not. know. Listen, we know we can do a whole TV show from home, <laughs> and so once, once we have learned that what you can accomplish from home, people aren't just a live TV show. Drudgery. A lot. I mean, you, the view was done from home. The view was, they were all in their houses. Everybody was home. It just, and I get for the show, like the view, if you want to have a studio audience, but if you don't have that, why not save this money? You know, why not take that money that you would spend on studio space and all of those things and give some raises? You know, around more money. So give, and give by the way, money. The, the studio audience, I love. So Tamron Hall did it. The View did it. And Wendy did it where they had all the people in the little boxes and the little screens. Yeah. And they were the from home. They were the from home audience. And so they could be in a little screen, which actually makes it more accessible if you can't fly to New York. Or remember yes. when Oprah, you had, to, you had to fly to Chicago to be in the Oprah Winfrey audience. You don't have to do that anymore. You can literally sit in your house and be a part of it. And Come once on. you're accepted in the audience, you are in home and you can actually enjoy it and be a part of it. So I think we have to rethink everything about the workspace, production, TV, everything, because we can do more from home. We can. A a real life as opposed to just work. Managers have to let go. They have to stop wanting to micromanage and think that a lot of it is micromanagement. They want to be able to see if they're paying you. They want to see what you're doing from this time to this time. And they've got to let go of that and look at the look at the the work that's being done. Look at the product. And yep. if that is good, then let it go. I got one question for you. Why are yep. you thick? Why do you sound thick? You sound nasally. I, I because I think I've just been talking all day. Ah, and so, okay. And so because you I'm sound so, congested though. I, you sound yeah, like nasal. It, it might be kidding. I might be getting a little bit of congested because it look and I think it's too much travel. So I've been on I've been back and forth to New York four times in the last four weeks. Um, I'm going to LA next week. I think the travel, I don't think it's, I don't think I'm sick. I think I'm, you know, when you, you know what I'm saying? When you, you travel so you much, you've so many airlines. You run down. I'm run down. Yeah. And so I think what's happening is the travel is starting to sink in and it's starting to really affect my, my health. And so that's one of the th- things. And it's funny because I met with Caesar with my boss, with my, my boss's boss. And he was literally like, how are you? He was like, 
you need to and he even he said it like you I was like is he channeling Jackie Reed right now because he was like you ain't gonna listen I know but he's like you need to lean into taking care of yourself and taking more time off and he was literally the same same things you say he's like you don't want to burn yourself so hot that you can't continue because he's like you need to have longevity and you need it to be able to let you don't want to burn it all up and then you burned out so even he was saying he might as well have been talking Klingon (laughs) might as well have been speaking in Klingon because you that means nothing to you I'm going to change no you're not no but wait I did the Fridays from home. Look, that was a huge move. Where, I, what is today? This is an exception because I took <laughs> Ma'am. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm be like an old person. Look all in the camera. Listen here, right here. Right, right, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Where, 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 the, where the eyeball thing on this thing? Because I don't understand what's happening right now. <laughs> wait, okay. Let's do some wait, hot wait, topics. Let's do some hot topics. Yes. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. I want to talk about Chris Cuomo uh, because I want to talk about what you or I would do in this situation. So for those who don't know, see it, see it fired Chris Cuomo Mm -hmm. for allegedly being heavily involved in uh, helping his brother, the former governor of New York, um, his sexual harassment accusations. Um, And so the governor stepped down a while ago, but now it has come to CNN's light, report, reportedly, that Chris was heavily involved with the governor's team. Um, and to, to, they're saying overstepped some journalistic ethical boundaries. So yeah. they let him go. He stepped away from his popular talk show at Sirius, and he lost a book deal at HarperCollins, and he also didn't get severance, and there's rumors that he is going to sue. Oh, he Um, is. Yeah, that he is gearing up to sue on CNN, and he's also saying that Jeff Zucker knew everything that he was doing. Right. Um, You know, the boss over at CNN, uh, Chris is saying that he knew everything. I, listen, I, I have... I haven't combed through this in great detail, Joanne, but I, if it were my brother, I know I would be trying to help. I might step away. I might take a leave of absence. Right. Um, but I don't remember him, but I didn't watch CNN every night. So I don't know if, did he report on the story? I don't, I don't know. Cause yeah, of course. So I don't, I don't watch CNN prime nor do very many other people too. Cause I will say that our ratings at MSNBC are like 
double their rating. It's the time. I'm just saying, it's not a whole lot of viewers that they're working with. I'm just saying, they're working with a smaller base than we are. I'm just saying. I mean, it's not like he was like beating Rachel Maddow. She was him like a bug. But let's just back off of that. Shade aside, Rachel was crushing him. But other than that, uh, no, I think I think what it is is that look, I don't know that he reported on the story directly, but let's say he did. I doubt he did. I doubt he really got into it because I think he probably just wanted to avoid it. So I don't really know. Yeah. But I will say that, you know, it's his brother. And if you have a brother that's got a primetime show and you know he's in the media, it would be natural for that for Cuomo, the governor, to have asked him, what do you think I should do? Yeah, so I don't I don't get it. And so for him, but, but you do have an obligation. And I think because their name is Cuomo and everyone knows who your brother is and you've used it to put him on, like he's gotten exclusives from the brother, you know, during the pandemic, he was able to exclusively book his brother right. as the governor and they would do this Cuomo and Cuomo thing. So the it. fact that you're willing to use it on that side, you probably should disclose to your audience, look, this is my brother, but I just assume that you have, you know what I mean? So it, it's a gray area for me because it's like, that is his brother. It's not like it was some random person he helped. It's his brother. Right. And so, I, you know, I, you know, can feel however I want about it. But I do know that if he had a contract, they need to, they're going to have to pay him. In the end, they're going to, I mean, they paid that lady, Megan, that was at MSNBC. And Come she failed two failed shows and they still paid her out. Yeah. So I feel like they're going to have to pay him. I feel I feel like they should just pay him and just, just pay him. Just pay him and let, let that go. Don't fight this. Don't fight it. I Don't feel like it. it could be bad for them if he does. Other story I want us to talk about, because we have so many, but I feel like this one we have to talk about. Girl Jesse Smollett. <sighs> um, you know, okay, so he was found guilty. Um, five counts of was it not obstructing justice? I guess you know, I've been so disconnected from the story because A, I think the only person harmed by Jesse Smollett making up that story about him being attacked was himself. Like, he didn't hurt anyone. And people were like, well, the police could have been spending their resources. Spending their resources doing what? The, 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 the clearance rate for the, for the Chicago Police Department of actual open crime cases is very low. It's not like they're out there cracking cases. More often, they're like cracking asses of black people and hurting people so it's like what were they going to be doing if they weren't doing this case i, I don't right. see the evidence that this was stopping them from solving other crimes because again the crime clearance rate is super low but see so, here's the thing with jesse here here's the thing where i think we think he messed up right i think after the charges were dropped that big press conference that he did you know, saying I'm my mama's son and I don't do this and I don't do that. I think he should have just left the courtroom yes. quietly. And, and I also think the city is suing him for it's less than $200,000 for the cost of manpower. Because remember, this was during the whole George Floyd. Yeah. George Floyd. And so, you know, because it was reported as a hate crime and to the level that it was bleach being poured on him, these things happening, um, somebody wearing a MAGA hat because of the details. I feel like the police really leaned into it in this situation, whether they did or didn't, um, they were on it, press conferences thing. And there was a lot right. of pressure from big names in Hollywood, big people in media. This cut, this story was covered heavily, which also put pressure on them. So let's say they leaned into it and whatever they spent doing this, he should have paid that. He should have just paid it. He should have paid that money and just been quiet and just let this, you know, I just, I cannot believe this situation got to the level that it did. And now he could be facing jail time, prison. Right. And, but first of all, number one, yeah. And, and don't drag Don Lemon into it. Ain't Don Lemon had nothing to do with it. Don't sit y'all Don Lemon. That's, that I was mean, Leave Don alone. If but, that's yeah. even true. If, it's if even that's even true. true. But apparently he talked about Don Lemon. If that's even true, leave Don out of it. But my other thing is, cousin, Delta, sister, soror, friend, sister. <laughs> all the names. Everything. <laughs> Are they going to prosecute all the Karens that uh -huh. use up police resources, calling the cops on black people who are barbecuing, walking down the street, going in their own apartments, living their lives? A the woman the other day that accused this, um, she didn't call the police, but accused this guy of stealing her phone and the phone oh. in her purse. And, and then the phone was in her purse. So it's like, there are so many Karens who are, 
using up police resources to sick the police on black people? Are they going to be dragged through a show trial? If the police react more strongly to a celebrity name who reports a hate crime than they do to an ordinary person, that's a bad news on the police. They should be reacting to each human being the same way, responding to each crime with equal vigor. If you're telling me that they're saying, well, we got played because we give more attention to celebrities, that's bad news for you. That means you guys are not behaving as a proper police force. You should give every crime, every alleged crime, the same amount of attention. You're admitting that you give extra special attention to celebrities. That's number one. Number two, all the people who are calling on y'all, calling 911 on black people didn't do anything wrong. Are you going to find them, uh, prosecute them, charge them with crimes? Because they're also misusing your resources and causing police to come out for nothing. Yeah, but let me say this. Probably not. And I wish we lived in a society where that was going to happen, but we don't. And it's unfortunate. They need to. And a lot of pressure needs to be applied from those that are uh, civil rights activists for that to happen in light of what happened with, with Jussie. But here's the thing that black people have to remember. The, the, the system is against us. So we can't roll like they roll. We can't do mm-hmm. that. We cannot make false police reports um, to the level um, of what was of what was done here. We cannot do that. We can't roll like their roll because the system is against us and it just is what it is. But I, to your point, I hope that someone makes that point and pushes for it. And I yeah. feel like the readout is going to run down like all these Karen situations that have yet to been given the proper attention and black people, when this happens, when a Karen calls the police on you, you need to file charges. File charges, charges and not and uh-uh. press charges. Press charges. If somebody's calling the police on you when you didn't do anything wrong, you should request to press charges because yeah. they are basically sticking le- lethal force on you. And by the way, they weren't going to kill Jussie Smollett because once they knew it was a celebrity involved, he was in less danger than you are, your regular person. And the other thing, I will, last thing I will say about this is it's obvious that Jussie needs mental health assistance, that he's having some sort of a crisis. And this should have been a mental health story it should not have become a prosecution. I think he needs help. I think he needs an intervention. I hope that he is okay and that he can get the help that he needs. And I think if the police are going to waste these resources, I surely hope they're going to show us that they're going to solve all kinds of crimes and help all kinds of people with their free time now that they don't have to deal with just these issues. That's a pipe. That's a we'll pipe wait to dream. See. That's yeah. a pipe dream. All right, girl. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, we have ma'am. a great guest coming up today. We do. Stay tuned for that. So in the midst of all the chaos and confusion, the angst and the anger, the sadness and the suffering many are feeling right now, nothing and no one can give us a path to wellness better than Iyanla Van Zandt. So we welcome her today as we head into the holidays. She has launched a new chapter, announcing earlier this year that she would be ending her Fix My Life TV show and is focused on helping us master peace. Iyanla Van Zandt, welcome to Read This, Read That. I love that. Read This, Read That. I love it. (laughs) We're so excited. Oh, my goodness. We love you. Go ahead. Go ahead, Joanne. Well, I was going to say, because, you know, when we think about self-care and, you know, putting oneself, centering oneself and try to sort of get our lives together, you are who we think about. So. How does you, and I've always been, I've always wanted to ask you this question, um, Iyala, how do you center yourself and make sure that you are emotionally healthy? Yeah. Um, the first thing is I know how to breathe, <laughs> which most people don't know how to do. They breathe from their chest to their head and that really creates overwhelm. But knowing how to do a full body breath, so that your whole body is involved. Most people fill their chest up with air when we need to fill our lungs up with air. Mm. So I think breathing is part of it. The other thing is, you know, I'm a little older now, so I don't remember stuff. <laughs> That's a blessing. It might upset me, but I don't forget it. So <laughs> and, you know, let it go if you don't remember it. Oh, let it go. I mean, you know, I don't hold on to a lot of stuff because I, I can't remember it. But the other thing is, I think just really giving myself permission to know the truth, to tell the truth, to speak the truth, to live the truth. And so many of us are 
you know, disquieted or have discord because we're only telling a part of the truth about who we are, what we want, what we need, what we feel. So I'm, again, you know, a little older. So I just give myself permission to say that. Now, I know, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you're, you're no longer um, going to be doing Fix My Life, um, which people, you know, it's such a popular hit show. Why is this something you wanted to step away from? And I know you've talked about this, but tell our audience why. Well, you know, I really got the guidance and the direction. Um, I, I went to Fix My Life because I was guided and directed in my spirit to do it. Uh, you know, for many years, I've been a teacher and a writer. I've never... I never set out to do television. And even when I did it, it was from a teaching perspective. So when I, when I was guided to, it's time to go. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, okay, great. Because television wasn't my purpose or my, my passion, the teaching. So I still teach. I teach three days a week right online. And I don't have to put on a bra or eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Great. We love that. Well, I have to ask you, you know, what is the thing that people the most ask you for? Because I'm sure that people probably come to you in the street, Ayala Manzan, and say, oh, my God, I see you and I and I have this moment with you and I have to ask you, what is it the thing that people the most, most of the time ask you or ask you for? The, the thing that people most ask me for is the thing that they don't want, which is mm. help. <laughs> well, why do you say they don't want it? How do you? Because they don't want to do the work that's required. I don't have a magic bullet. I, I you know, I'm going to give you tools and information and skills and you got to do the work. You've got to do the work, whether it's healing work, meaning that you're going in deep to eliminate something that's causing a problem or it's growth work, meaning you've got to change how you do what you do and do it more consistently. People don't want to do that. They want somebody to do it for them. They want somebody to tell them what to do. They want somebody to uh, make it easier. They want somebody to agree with them about how wrong somebody else is. But most, most of the time, the very thing people ask me for, please help me, please help my family, please help me. And then, you know, when you give them what to do, it's like, I, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Why do you think people don't want to do the work? They want to see improvement. They want their lives to get better. They want to feel better. And they know they need to make a change, but why don't they want to do the work? I, th I think it's two things. Number one is frightening. Hmm. It's frightening. You know, even no matter how horrible it seems, your life, your marriage, your health, your whatever, it's, it's, it's familiar. And the human mind will gravitate to what's familiar and what's comfortable. So that's number one. Number two, so it's frightening. Number two, I think we're lazy. You know, we live in a world and a society today where you can, you know, I ordered something from Amazon this morning and it's here already. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and so we, we've just gotten so lazy. So to take a sustained effort to do something over and over and over without fighting to be right, without controlling it, and without any guarantee that the end is going to look like you think it's going to look. Because sometimes you do the work or you do, you get the healing and it doesn't look like what you think it's supposed to look like. So um, I think that's another reason. Is well, self-love a part of it too? Say it again. Self-love, self-care, is that a part of it? Not being in tune with that? You know, those are such buzzwords. You say self-love to most people. They have no clue what you're talking about. They know it sounds right. They know they're supposed to be loving on themselves. But when you talk about self-love at its purest form, it's seeing yourself as God's source creator sees you. That means you don't have any imperfections. That means you didn't do anything wrong. That means you're not a victim. That means nobody did anything wrong to you. Everything is a part of the curriculum. Everything is as it needs to be. All things are lessons God would have us learn. But we don't want to do that. We want them to be wrong and we want to have an excuse. And, you know, I'm not exempting myself. I'm in that too. There's some things I don't want to do. I do not want to get up at 530 every morning. Ma'am, ma'am. Oh, I know that that journey of getting up in the morning to exercise. I've been I've been trying to get up at seven 
7 to 7.30 a.m. every morning to exercise. Because I know I need to do it because it's good for my body, good for my spirit. But, yeah, you have to talk yourself into it. And my, my coach says what you got to do is you got to go three, two, one. You got to count it down and make it happen. But, you know, let me ask you this question, because I know that for a lot of people, a lot of the source of stress and strain has been the pandemic. It has been this coronavirus that's changed everything about the way we live, the way our relationships are. It changed everything about our families, our dynamics. How do you suggest that we deal with people in our lives who don't take it seriously, won't get vaccinated? I know that's for a lot of people, the source of stress, even for the holidays. How do you even get together with people who don't accept as you accept the seriousness of this, this virus, this pandemic, this coronavirus? You How don't. Do we that? You don't. And see, you say things, everything's changed, but then we want to do everything the same way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Amen. I know what she's going to say. And, and I agree. Go ahead. It's changed. So, oh, you're not vaccinated. Okay. You can't come to my house. Period. Stop by, get your dinner. Or I'll stop by and get my dinner. But we and and this is a classic case of how we as human beings, we say we want change, but then not willing to do what's required. And we say that the pandemic changed everything. That's not true. What it didn't change was people's minds. Mm. And that is the only thing that's going to create real lasting change. Mm. People keep saying, I want things to go back to normal, not understanding that how we were living was not normal. Mm. We, it, it may have been normal in society, but it wasn't natural to who we are. Mm. Nobody's saying, I want to go back to natural living, you know, and saying, I want to go back to the way things were before. But weren't you suffering? Mm. You absent? Come weren't on. you rushing around? Weren't you overcommitted? Weren't you eating poorly? Weren't Come you on, Joy Henry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm at the jump. If this was the church, the doors of the church yeah, would be open, and I'll be about to get my contribution. Get a front seat, Joy Henry. I'm about to get a front seat in this church right here because Pastor Ayala Van Zan is speaking to me. There's the doors of the church open. They are, and I'm about to walk. The plate. Listen, let me ask you this. Um, I mentioned masterpiece earlier. Tell us what that is and what you're involved in, because I see some items behind you that I think I want to purchase. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, Masterpiece, you know, it's not just the product. The products themselves are tools, tools to support us in mastering peace. For me, Masterpiece is a movement that I just want to take across the world, awakening one million people to the process, the practice, the, the privilege of peace. You can have everything in the world, but if you don't have peace, it really doesn't mean anything. And from the pandemic and from the many changes and from the political climate and from the economic changes, so many people don't have peace. And without that, you'll have stress and you'll have hypertension and you'll have breakdowns in your relationships. So for me, Masterpiece is a movement. Now, it originally started as a line of body products that my daughter Jamia started before she made her transition. And Jamia's uh, belief was that if you had peace, you have everything. Mm. She started with hair because she said that hair was like an antenna (laughs) and that it broadcasted and it also absorbed. So she used natural herbs and oils to create hair products. And after her transition, I said, well, now we're living in a time when it's about the body and the personage. So I think it was, must've been 2004 when I heard Dr. Jewel uh, Joy Bolte Taylor say, you are responsible for the energy that you bring in the room. Mm. Most people don't understand that. Mm. So masterpiece products are made with natural oils, natural herbs, scented to stimulate certain uh, memories and feelings in the body because scent is the only one of our physical senses that doesn't get processed by the brain. Mm. Scent gets processed by the central nervous system and it stimulates a memory. You know, once you smell a banana, Nobody ever has to tell you what a banana is again. You smell it, you know. So certain scents stimulate certain energies in our body. So the herbs, the oils, the uh, natural products, African black soap, which nourishes, nurtures, moisturizes, uh, the different oils, cocoa, uh, coconut oil and and grapeseed oil. They go into the skin without clogging the pores 
or stripping the skin of its natural uh, elements. So they're really tools. Each, each product, whether it's a body wash, a body butter, or a bath bar, comes with an affirmation. So that as you are applying the fabric, oh, that's the beauty of working at home. The phone's ringing. <laughs> we love yes, it. it is. We're so used to Amen. it. So, <laughs> um, so as you're applying the product to your body in the shower or when you're lotioning your body or after glow shower oil, you say the affirmation. Mm. So it takes a normal body cleansing uh, routine and turns it into a self-care ritual. Imagine putting a, mm-hmm. I am a divine light and I am calling in all that is good for me. Imagine putting that everywhere on your body. Not, you know, not that you're just slathering on some lotion or washing your butt with some soap, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it took me- And y'all need to wash your butts with some soap. <laughs> and your feet, and your feet. Your yeah. legs. <laughs> you know what? It took me a long time to realize the importance of affirmations and, and speaking into existence certain things. Talk about the importance of that for people who may not have grasped that yet. The words that come out of your mouth, the thoughts that you hold about yourself and your life. The importance. What comes out of your mouth comes out of your mind. Mm. You know, your mouth is a womb. Mm. And every time you speak, you're giving birth to something. Mm. And if we go to, if you, I mean, those of us who grew up going to Sunday school, you know, in mm-hmm. the it's the word. Mm-hmm. The word isn't just the embodiment of the Christ. The word is a manifestation of your consciousness. Mm. So anytime you speak, you are giving birth. You are wow. giving birth. And sometimes you speak, you give birth, and then you speak and you abort it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you or you affirm it. So when we talk about affirmations, we're talking about bringing forth a higher level of energy, a higher frequency, a higher vibration of that which we want to create. Well, so Ayala Vanson, I have to tell you, I've been listening to you for so long. First of all, your voice is so soothing. I have to say, I did. I think you should record like a recording that I can wake up to every morning. I would feel I so know. Cool. Yeah. I have I, Oh, I'm going to get that. Okay, I'm downloading Awakenings today, first of all, because I need you in my life every day. But I have to ask you, you know, were you always Ayala Van Zandt? I mean, obviously, you were always named Ayala Van Zandt as you were born. But is there a moment that made you wake awaken to become the spiritual, emotionally sensitive and spiritually sensitive person you are? And if you can remember that moment when you kind of woke up to these realities that you're able to share with us and that you blessed us with all the time that I've been listening to you, can you remember what that was so that some of us can see it coming if, if there is a moment where we can get there where you are? Well, you know, I, uh, I wasn't always Dion Van Sand. I was born Rhonda Eva Harris, daughter of Horace Leston, Sahara Elizabeth, in Brooklyn, New York, in the back of a taxi cab. And I was born Black and poor, grew raised by a Native American grandmother who passed as Black because it was easier for her to be Black in the 19. 19- 40s and 50s than it was for her to be a Native American. Mm. She was a she was a, a domestic worker. So mm. many days, I mean, I started ironing and washing clothes on a scrub board when I was like five. And I would go up to Yonkers and White Plains with her when she worked in the white folks' house. And I would iron napkins and pillowcases on a milk crate with an iron that you sat on the stove, not mm. one that you plugged in the wall. So uh, I grew up, you know, in total dysfunction, raped at nine, pregnant at 16, 19, and again at 21. And it was when I had my last daughter, I was 21 years old, and in the midst of um, postpartum depression, um, attempted suicide. And in that process, as a life was draining out my body, I had a vision, I guess is the most you can call us, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Black woman. I didn't know at the time it was my mother, because mm-hmm. at the time I didn't know that my birth mother had died and the woman who was raising me wasn't my mother. Mm-hmm. This beautiful woman, she said to me, do you want to die or do you want to stop hurting? Mm-hmm. I said, I want to stop hurting. She said, okay, I'm going to teach you how to live. And so from that moment, it was just a series of things. The good thing was that I was, I was raised in the church. So I always had a concept of God. But that day, I began to explore and investigate, what if God is a woman? Hmm. <laughs> God is something gentle and soft. What if God is 
grace and mercy and not punishment and pluck it out mine eyes and that I can't smoke happy flowers or get a little piece in the back of a car. What if that ain't the God I need to be? And so it was then that I really started this search. 21 years old, I spent six weeks in the psychiatric ward after attempting suicide and really embarked upon my own in independent investigation of what God was. Not the God that I was given, not the God that I was taught, not the God that was going to kill me and pluck at me, not the God that said I was wretched and born in sin, not the not that God, but the God that spoke to me as the life was draining out my body. Mm. Wow. And one thing just led to another. And it wasn't easy, you know. I I what I'm aware of now at 70 is that. This was present when I was 21. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it. Yeah. Nobody had taught me how to do the work to awaken the part of me that wasn't wretched and sinful and broke and broke and black and this and that. It was always, this was always in there. I just had to do the work to bring it forward. Yeah. And the same thing is true for everybody. Mm -hmm. You will never be any more spiritual than you are right now. Ever. There's no more for you to get. You right. were born with everything that you need. The mm-hmm. thing is, do the work. Mm-hmm. You were barking on the dog. Go, I was going to say, Joanne, as my dog barks, go ask another quick because he is not going to stop unless I get dog, he, He's feeling a spirit. He felt, he said, he I can get some of the spirituality it. too. But well, let me ask you this. Are you, a lot of people think that you are that this is who you are. I mean, it is who you are, but are you still evolving? Are you still every day? Oh, yes. Learning yes. And growing? Oh, yes. Listen, I just went away and I was in Costa Rica for a week and doing some work with the with some Colombian shaman or medicine people, um, you know, and when I had to like see the bugs and I was like, you know, and also when I bumped into the depth of self-forgiveness that I still needed to do just things, you know, we're like an onion uh, or a rose, you know, the rose is beautiful and you pull back all of the petals, all the petals, you're going to get down to a little bulb and then that bulb and little spokes and on the top of those little spokes, a little, little, I don't know what you call them, like berries. That's where the scent comes from. It doesn't mm. come from the petals. You know, we, we think we're smelling the petals. No, you got to get down and pull mm. all those layers back. So I'm still breathing, you yeah. know, and I still have petals to pull back. And I'm so grateful because once all of my petals are revealed, I'll exhale and won't inhale and I'll be out of here. Wow. Well, let, let me ask you this, because this is a difficult season for a lot of people we're going into, which is the holiday season. It was an artificially sort of created holiday that was, you know, the, the you know, there's been a crafting of it to sort of put a lot of pressure on people to see it in a certain way and experience it in a certain way. And for a lot of people, it's the most depressing time of year, to be honest. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of economic pressure on it, you know, for people who can't afford to give their children all the things that children put on their little list that they're sending to Santa Claus or people who, you know, just, you know, have lost at this time or a lot of people. I mean, we're talking about 800,000 Americans have died from COVID. So there's going to be a lot of families that have that empty seat at the at the table for their Christmas dinner. So it's not an easy time for everybody. It's not as joyful as it is in the commercials. What would you advise people to do or to, you know, to sort of put in their arsenal, um, to put in their toolbox to face this season if this season is not entirely joyful for them? Well, I'm going to do what Jamia said, masterpiece. If everything were to stay exactly as it is now, whether it's the empty chair or the economic crisis or the political crisis or whatever it is that we allow ourselves to believe disrupts our our peace, masterpiece. What do you need to do to have peace? You know, my daughter died on Christmas Day in 2003 at 1018 in the morning. There was no COVID. There was no pandemic. There was no uh, inflation. The gas was like $2.79. Do you think that I had an easier time back then than people are having now? (laughs) Because I've had an empty seat at my table now for eight 
15 years. Wow. And Christmas was her favorite day of the year, not because of Jesus and the Christ and all of that. She just liked the colors and the lights and she would light anything. She would light a fork. <laughs> <laughs> If it wasn't moving, Jimmy had some lights on it. <laughs> you know, it wasn't easy, no easier for me back then. But here's my here's my question, if I can just ask people to consider, you know, the pressure. They say do this, they say, why do we accept that, but we won't accept go get a vaccine and save your life? Come on. Why do we accept that, but we we won't accept stop eating fried processed foods so mm. longer? Oh. Why do we accept that you got to do this for Christmas and you got to have that and you got to run around and you got to run your credit card up? Why do we accept that and we won't accept spend five minutes a day breathing in silence and connect with your higher power? How can mm. we connect? We accept the stuff that they pour on us that gives us strength mm. and refuse to accept the things that we can do to help. Mm. <laughs> Hmm. Help me understand. Oh, come on, sister. Yes. Come on. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, mother of three on welfare, living in Brooklyn and, you know, running in that Christmas pressure. So I, I didn't have the money. So what I did was Christmas Eve in, in New York, you know, at night, they used to throw the Christmas trees away when they didn't sell them. They left them in the street. So I went out like 12 o'clock at night, one o'clock in the morning, rode, rode around in the snow. That's when it used to snow in December. Yes. <laughs> and found a tree and brought it home. And me and the kids decorated the tree. My kids couldn't read. They didn't know the calendar. They didn't know anything. Yeah. Right. So we, I put the tree up and left it up. And it stayed up till February. Now I stopped turning the lights on because half of the pine cones was on the floor. But <laughs> we, we had Christmas on February 8th. Because yeah. that's when I had the money and I could get things and whatever, whatever. And it was then that I said, what, a, what the hell? What are you doing? Mm. <laughs> Amen. No, we had Christmas on February 8th. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're right. So why accept that pressure? Now I'm putting up a tree and I'm having the grandkids and we're going to eat and stuff. Not because of what they tell me, but uh -huh. because all the kids are home from school. All the kids are home from college. It gives me an excuse one day to eat all the stuff that I know I'm not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> and to put some bourbon in my eggnog. And Damn. So that's what I'm going to do. Is and bourbon and eggnog not for everything? It's, it, listen, it, it's a whole life changer. <laughs> okay. And to celebrate life. the life of my daughter who yes. isn't here anymore. I'm yes. not going to warn her on Christmas Day. I'm going to yes. celebrate her. I don't eat meat. She like pot roast. I'm going to make a pot roast. I love it. That uh, light I was talking about at the beginning, that light, she, <laughs> is, she is a light. Absolutely. Thank you so much for stopping. We love you. We you just, love where you can too. people find the Masterpiece product? Masterpiece, P-E-A-C-E, mm -hmm. masterpiecebodytherapy.com. Or just put in Masterpiece. And also, you know, right now I'm teaching a class called Healing Ancestral Patterns. Because mm. that's the other thing, particularly for us people of color, red, black, and brown. We have to disconnect ourselves from some of the things that we have inherited, been taught, come to believe, that no longer serve who we are. Yeah. There's, a, there's a strength and resilience within us that we use for the wrong things. We use it for struggle and survival as opposed to thriving and mm -hmm. flourishing. So uh, Healing Ancestral Patterns. I also do a class every Sunday morning called um, <clears throat> Spiritual Study Sanctuary because the pandemic changed how people worship and how they go to church. And there's so many unchurched people and so many people who are mad at God because of COVID. So I'm walking people through weeks, nine months of studying ancient spiritual text mm -hmm. in a way that makes it practical so that you can apply it to your life. Mm. I'm live every Sunday morning, or you can get the recordings of book by book. So those are the things that I'm doing. And, and that's where can we do those? Yeah, I need that. Can I get, can you tell me how to get that? I want Is that. Is that at Iyamazan.com. Okay. Oh, I'll be on there. Yeah, Van Zandt is my dead husband's name. And so 
I'm I'm honored. I'm, I mean, I'm blessed to be able to people recognize me just my first name. We yeah. love that. They can't yeah. say it. But Steady, Cher, and Ayala. We we listen. You only need one name. Ayala, <laughs> you you counseling us, and you don't even know it. You you have so this many. This was a master class. This was a master class, and I feel like I got so much spirituality just out of talking with you, just hearing your Amen. the tone of your voice soothes me. So I just want to thank you for being in this existence because you do so much. You probably people you don't even know will never even meet. You have blessed so many of us, including myself and taken us through so many traumas. You won't even know how much you have done for so many of us. So I just want to thank you for just being with us here today. Well, thank you for noticing. And you know, all of us, we should give ourselves credit because we could have been born at any place at any time, but we knew something exciting was going to be going on and we didn't want to miss it. (laughs) Amen. Yes, ma'am. We all showed up right now. Right now. Love it. Love you. One more thing. Yeah. And I know that people are tired and people are whatever they are. Like I said, they'll do what what the stuff that gives them stress. But I want to say coming into 2022, where the main emphasis is on balance, boundaries, building and business. Mm. Balance your life. Have clear boundaries. Build what you desire from the ground up. And be willing to do your own business, all kind of business, emotional, mental, spiritual, you know, entrepreneurial. But if nothing else, vote. Mm. Vote. Because I see people being lulled into, I'm not even going to bother. Thank you. If you don't, if you don't, there is nobody who's going to suffer the consequences except you. Amen. Come on Ooh. now. Get people to the polls. I love Amen. it. Amen. I love it. It's so important. It is yeah. so, so important. Iyanla, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great, great holiday. Thank you for having me. You thank too. you. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, that does it for another episode of Read This, Read That. Joanne, have a great weekend. And you guys be sure to tune in to the readout every Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern time on MSNBC. Amen. And also, of course, you must support Vegan Sexy Cool, vegansexycool.com, Vegan Sexy Cool on all your Instagrams. So fabulous. You're going to learn great food, great fashion, great fun. And you're going to see all the little cute things that Miss Jackie's doing because she's doing all kinds of stuff, the little videos and stuff in there. She'd be like, with products and stuff. I'm like, oh, Jackie, back in this thing. Let me try it. And everything she put out there, I'm going to taste it and see if it tastes good. Because listen, up, when I tell you I'm ordering my scrimps, and when I make my little scrimp thing, I'm going to send you a picture of it to show that, I, that I did it. Sure. Yes. She's doing use vegan butter. I'm going to use vegan butter. But listen, I've been leaning in. I have done my veg- my vegan burgers. I've been doing my burgers. So I'm trying to get, because I, uh, I'm i with you on the idea that we can help the planet much more by making the planet more meat free because we don't need to be using all those resources for animals. So I'm not like a vegan because I'm an animal lover like Miss Jackie because she loves them animals. She thinks that chicken be hugging you and stuff. But she be they do. Crazy videos. <laughs> <laughs> Chickens. I'm not on the pet chicken frame. Not yet. But- not yet, but 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 we will try some vegan things because we love you, uh, Jackie. Reed. We're going to support vegan, sexy, cool. Thank you because we love the planet too, and it's we love a, the planet. A great reason to leave. Amen. All right, girl. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. 
more than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.